So, Chris, I will warn you. Are you all turned on already? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So I will warn you that introducing people is not a spiritual gift I have. I'm no different. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that I've only ever kicked myself afterwards. So we're going to pray for you in a second. And that is something I can do sufficiently well with God's help. But um, this is my friend, Chris. We're kind of newer friends. And I know Chris has been around Steinbeck for a while, and you can share the details of that as much as you want to. And so I've run into him a few times. But I think one of the things that started this connection was just knowing that you have a passion for reaching out to people and to uh, connecting with the lost. And as any, I think, Steinbecker would admit, all of us can grow in that way because we've lived in a Christian community for so long, quote unquote, that it's easy to forget that unbelievers are all around us. The lost are all around us. Sometimes they've been in your church for 10 years. And so we are wanting to grow in a vision and a passion for loving, reaching out. And so we were starting to build a relationship kind of based on that and then found out we have lots of mutual friends and church family connections. And right now you're going to which church in Winnipeg? To Gateway. Exactly. So Gateway is actually, you know, our one of our main family connections in the Salt and Light family of churches. And so, small world. We should sing that together. It's a small world. I'm a terrible singer. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> there's a reason I'm not on the worship team. And it's not just because I preach. So, can I pray for you? And then sure. I'll let you carry on with whatever introductions yeah. you'd like to do from there. Okay. Oh, I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'd be, there's people who take photoshops of the messages sometimes and make memes. So, I'm not letting you have any ammo on me today. <laughs> So why don't we lift up our hearts to the Lord. And church, if you want to stretch out your hand in a blessing, that'd be wonderful. Holy God, I want to ask you again. I thank you for these songs, Lord, where we sang about how unstoppable you are. And that's true. Nothing's happened in the last year that has even made you perspirate or sweat at all. Everything's under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have such a good plan. And perhaps only our children or our great-grandchildren will see all that you've done we don't know but we can trust you from scripture knowing that you accomplish wonderful things during chaotic times mm-hmm. father i pray for a rich blessing on chris and everything he's doing his family his bloodline his spiritual family that you would enrich him greatly for his willingness to come and serve us and would you lead and guide him as he gives uh, his heart to you and your message to us this morning. In Jesus' name. And all Calvary Chapel said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Brother, it's, uh, it's great to be here. And I'm so excited about this lighthouse on Main Street. When, when you guys were moving over to Main Street here, it was one of my greatest joys, actually. We were still living in Steinbach at that point, And it's, it's, it brings me joy every time we visit again. And you know what? It is, it is disheartening at times. You, you gear up. I know there's a process to get in here, and then the pandemic, and then a lockdown. And you know what? I want to encourage you this morning. One of the things I like to encourage people in is we carry the light of Jesus inside of us. And I am praying for more opportunities to meet in buildings and all that, but we're, we're not, the, the gospel is not chained in this time. And, and I'm going to tell you some stories at the end of the message that will illustrate that. And I'm not leaving it to the end so that you listen to the whole thing. It just happens to be that's where it fits in the message this morning. But I got saved at the age of 21 years old. And I was a University of Manitoba student, outwardly completely successful, great grades, friends, but inwardly in turmoil. And in the middle of that, a guy one day asked to speak to me. His name's Nathan. 
And the first question he asked me is, are you happy? Which is actually quite a bold question to ask somebody you basically don't know. And that started this journey of exploring who Jesus is. And two weeks after that question, I gave my life to Jesus. That's 25 years ago. Last Sunday was my spiritual birthday. And, and I was celebrating. And it's been a long journey since then, growing, dealing with the outward junk that I had in my life, the inner brokenness, the purifying of motives. You know, I thought when I dealt with a lot of my outward junk, I thought, well, now I'm pretty well good to go. And then God begins to speak about motives. And then he's been teaching me about service in his kingdom. And I want the banner over this message today to be how great is God's love. That's my life. I mean, love shown, demonstrated, love now pouring out into other people's lives as an imperfect vessel. And so what I do for work, I I actually was employed at Southland Church for 18 years. And uh, just over a year ago, Uh, I stepped into a position with a ministry called Church Renewal. So basically it's a ministry where we mentor pastors. So right now there's about 1,400 pastors, I think, involved. I always lose track of the number. That's why I'm not good at introductions either, even of myself. And then uh, about 45 different countries were involved in. So people always ask me, well, what do you do? Essentially, I sit at home because I work out of the home. (laughs) And I develop discipleship materials and I meet with pastors online. And it's a blessing. And I, I love God's humor because when I first got saved, there was one category of people that were totally intimidating to me. And that was pastors. And even when I became a pastor, I didn't be, like being around pastors. <laughs> and now God has me working uh, with pastors all the time. And so I, it's a blessing to be involved in that. And then in my spare time, um, my wife and I, Carolyn and I, we minister uh, to the unsaved. We reach out. That's basically our hobby now is to reach out to people. And again, I'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. We actually have been blessed. There's a young couple living with us now in our house. They moved to Winnipeg in part to partner with us in ministering to others. And we we really blessed by that uh, as well. So anyways, I get to talk to a lot of people. I actually calculated an estimate of how many different people I talk to in a week and I would estimate between believer and unbeliever, I talk to probably probably about four to 500 people a week. And that might be on the low end. And I'm an introvert. Again, God's humor in making me an introvert. And then now I'm talking to people all the time. There is a question that many are asking. And it's the question I'm going to revolve the message around this morning. And that is, what in the world is happening? Pastors are asking that question every week when I meet with them online in groups. They're asking, what is going on? And non-pastors that are believers are asking that question. And I can tell you, with talking to many who do not know Jesus, they're asking that question too. And some of the people asking the question are asking it with hope. Some are asking it with anger. Some are asking it in despair. And I want to submit to you this morning my answer to that question. And I mean that I submitted to you this morning... And God's Word says to test everything. So feel free to test what I'm saying this morning. I'm submitting it to you for you to pray about. But if you see anything good in my take on what's happening in this world, I want to encourage you then to hold on to it. To not let it kind of just be blown away after, you know, this message this morning. 
So what's happening in this world? There's going to be three things I'm going to mention this morning. I always almost end up with three points, which always bothers me because people often joke, oh, a good three-point sermon. So I want to be contrarian and not have a three-point sermon, but I always end up with three points, and I think it's partly because of time and all that, and uh, it's good for me to actually make sure I don't talk on and on and on. So first of all, there is a shaking going on. Now, I know Pastor Rob has talked about this fact. Sometimes when I'm invited to speak uh, elsewhere, I go and listen to some of the messages or parts of the message. So, Rob, I've been listening to you preach, enjoyed the messages. We'll talk a little bit about a few things later on. No, just kidding. But no, I was so edified. But he's addressed this, and I just want to affirm this. This is an abnormal shaking. Politically, we're discovering... The hope isn't on the left and the hope's not on the right. And there's efforts to start new parties. And I'm not making a comment about whether people should start new parties or not. I'm not making any political statements. But I'm going to tell you this. Even some of those efforts, they can't, they're in chaos. They can't agree in the starting of the party. We're seeing that politics actually isn't our hope. The financial systems are being shaken up. People are wondering, where, where is the security? Where is the value? My son, a while back, you know, he's learning about finances and investing. And I, I said, you can, here, Josh, you can have $200 and you can invest it any way you want. Now, $200, I just kind of laughed. I thought, he'll put it in the bank. You know, what's interest now? Is it negative now? I don't know. It seems the money's going down now. He comes back to me a month later and he said, oh, it's worth 2400 now. I'm like, what do you mean it's worth 2400 What are you doing that's illegal, Josh? <laughs> So I bought cryptocurrency. I'm like, you did what? And then, now I know many people are investing in that. Some of you probably right now, you're pulling out your phones and you're like, cryptocurrency? What's that? I'm going to buy. Is that going to be secure? I don't know. Who knows? And then churches are being shaken up. The forms that we meet in, people are wondering, how can we meet in the future? Is it going to change? Should we start a house church movement? Should we not start a house church movement? It's all shaking underneath of us. And I want to suggest that God's not surprised. Not at all by this shaking. In fact, when I read the word, I see that he either initiates or allows shaking. In Psalm 99, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake What an imagery of God's presence, even His very presence caused shaking. And I've discovered this in my own life, and I'm sure you have too. There's times where I'm discouraged. It happened this week. Monday morning, woke up, discouraged. I encountered Jesus. There was a shaking, and suddenly I had courage again. There's other times where I'm smug, I feel like I'm doing well. And I encounter the Lord and He shakes me up and He convicts me. That happened on Thursday. (laughs) I said, oh Lord, praise, you're doing so much. Thank you for the fruit that's happening in this time, Lord Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus convicted me. He said, what about that stream in your heart that you're not dealing with? That's causing some issues. The Lord's always shaking. Isaiah 2.19, people will flee to, to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. I mean, I could have picked many, many passages 
I mean, you just do a word study on that. There are dozens of passages that talk about his shaking. Here's another one in Hebrews 12, 26, because I just want to, to put a New Testament verse in here, because I know there's many who suggest, no, no, God shook the earth in the Old Testament, but he's just gentle now. Hebrews 12, 26, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. It's disorientating, isn't it? The shaking. I don't think there's a person that hasn't felt disorientated. In fact, there might be a few, but often they're just dismissive people. <laughs> they, they just, they, my son's a little bit like this, and, and he always laughs when I say it. He, he, he often says, oh, I have peace. I said, well, it's because you don't really think or feel about anything. And he always laughs. He's like, yeah, I know I need to grow in that. <laughs> so it's actually a blessing in many ways to come from that point. <laughs> so we have this shaking that's happening. You know what? When I first uh, experienced the ocean, uh, I didn't grow in, growing up go to the ocean. Then my wife and I, when we got married, we went to Dominican for the second week for a honeymoon. So my first experience with the ocean, we got to the beach, I remember. We were exhausted from the flights, but you got to go to the beach, right? Like, it doesn't matter how tired you are. So we head to the beach, and I'm like, I'm going to run as fast as I can into the water. And there were some pretty big waves that day, and I remember my wife saying, be careful, like, you've not been in the ocean. Like, the waves can be strong, and the undercurrent. And she's like, you don't know how to swim. And she's probably thinking... My, my new husband's gonna die, you know, like, on, on, a, on our honeymoon, but I'm like, I wanna show off. I mean, it was probably the only time in my life I was actually in shape, too. So I like, I thought, I'm gonna create this epic perspective of me running, and we didn't, I don't even think we had a phone back then, or certainly not a phone that could take, um, take video. And so, so we were going to get this on video, but I, so I go running into the water and the first little bit, it's okay. And then this wave came and it smoked me. I went flying and I don't know what I thought in that moment. Maybe I thought, don't drown or, or perhaps good thing she married me already because I look like a fool. Like not sure what's happening, but it was, I couldn't believe the power of the ocean. I think that's what many feel like now. Feels like there's this wave comes. Blessings, uh, I forget your name, but as, as you shared about, you know, your attitude this week going into, like, you, you get, start to get hope. I mean, even coming here to preach, I thought, oh, a hundred, you know, each service, that's great. And then, oh, the number goes down, and then I'm like, oh, no, not just in a camera again, Lord, please. Like, it's just wave after wave. I want to share something here. I don't think the waves are done coming. In fact, if I understand the scriptures correctly, it's actually going to increase. We haven't seen the greatest shaking yet. And part of the shaking is going to be, some are going to suggest and they're going to say, peace, peace. It's just going to be, it's going to get better. In fact, I pay attention to what's going on in North America. And there's a growing number of people who deny that any, there's going to be any big shaking still to come. You say, oh, that happened in the past. It was all fulfilled in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem, you know, was attacked. But there's too many passages that talk of things to come that weren't fulfilled in A.D. 70. And here's a phrase I got the other day. And again, I submit it to you. It was in prayer. So, but again, I hold it loosely. You need to test it. I think I have it up on the screen here. 
I believe there's going to be a tsunami of deceitful, wishful thinking coming. Where we just, we're going to hope for the positive, and we should be hopeful as believers. But we can also have this misplaced hope. So I think there's going to be wonderful things God's going to do, but there's going to be much shaking. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. This happened in the Old Testament. Did you know that the majority of the people prophesying at the time were saying, Peace, peace, peace. And the ones who were saying, No, actually, there's going to be difficulty coming. They weren't received. We read it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah. I mean, just on and on. I mean, I want things to get better. And there's nothing wrong with desiring that. That's God's image in us crying out for different... We, we are to groan. I want more. But that doesn't mean there's not waves still coming that are going to be difficult. Jude 17 and 18. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires so what do we do then that's the question i ask what do we do in the midst of all this and and really the theme verse for this is out of psalm 16 verse 8 today if you just remember one verse this is the one to remember because i think the attitude of the psalmist here conveys what our attitude can be where we need to move ourselves towards and it's this i have set the lord always before me because he is at my right hand i will not be shaken See, but aren't we shaking sometimes? Of course we are. This isn't an automatic that he's at our right hand. Now, he, he's with us, totally theologically, he's with us. But what it's talking about here is a choice to place before our minds the Lord and who he is. To put him at our right hand. To understand who he is. In all his glory. One of the things I'm most passionate about teaching on is the attributes of God. Because to me, when we have the attributes of God before our mind, when that's what we're thinking about, then we're not shaken. So we need to know the Lord going forward. That's the only thing that will be secure. And I know we say that in church, but I think this time is showing us that we need to really get ourselves ready. We need to practice bringing Him before us. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to us. So there is a shaking. We need to make sure that we're not going to be shaken in those times. And then there's a revealing of hearts. (laughs) You know, I don't like my heart being revealed always. (laughs) I spent most of my, you know, most of my younger years trying to hide my heart. (laughs) I remember the first time I went to church. I'll always remember that first time I went to church when I got saved at 21. And I always remember what the message was. It was about growing in your character, common topic. And I remember sitting there thinking, what if I got myself into? <laughs> now that might sound funny, but I never thought about growing my character ever in my life. I'm like, there's a clashing that's going to go on here. You know, they had a potluck after. That helped, (laughs) you know, kind of soften the first Sunday at church. This revealing of hearts, did you know that that was one of the primary purposes of the coming of Jesus? This is what it says. Then Simeon, so Jesus, the child, is brought to the temple. And then there's this guy, this wise, older man, 
And he says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to only bring peace. That's not what it says. Destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It's what we would call the prophetic ministry of Jesus. Revealing hearts. Here's a question. Was that only meant to be when he walked on earth at that time? He's still doing that ministry. The purpose of the shaking, in part, is to reveal hearts. It's to reveal hearts. And then he says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It's hard truth, but why not, why not have the hard truth? I think that's love, actually. That's why I said there's a banner of love over this. It's, it's better to be prepared. So what's being revealed right now? Well, first of all, false hopes are being revealed. We, can, we are creative in putting our hopes into all kinds of things other than Jesus. I am creative in that. One of the things that Scripture talks about is money, of course. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Isn't it interesting that placing one's hope in money ends up in grief? And that's the truth about every false hope. It leads to grief, angst, anxiety, despair, Depression. Now I'm not, I, I, I want you to hear me carefully here. I have incredible compassion for the many that are struggling because of the pandemic and lockdowns with mental health. In fact, I'm going to talk in a little bit here about we should be ministering to them. But part of what we're seeing is the fruit of generations putting their hopes in things other than Jesus. It just, Like, we shouldn't be depressed if we can't play sports for a year. We shouldn't. That's tough to not get out of the house. That's tough to not be able to see friends. I, I have such compassion on this. I think Jesus does too. But I've learned that I have to put my hope in Jesus. And even good things just aren't stable. I'll give an example. I got saved. I made a foolish decision. Started dating somebody who wasn't a Christian. I thought I could lead her to Jesus. What? Like, just, I look back now. So she broke up with me, thankfully. Then I dated a Christian right after. And I thought, this is it now. She, if I'm going to marry her, and so then I'll be happy. Well, then she broke up with me. Oh, I was so mad. God, don't you know what you're doing? So nearsighted. Okay, marriage is a gift, obviously. But I had put my hope in that specific person. And then Carolyn came along. And I look at our marriage and I look at what we do and how most of our spare time is reaching out. That means we don't have tons of time together. And I mean, she's a perfect fit to what God was calling me to. But I was so nearsighted. I said, I have my definition of who, you know, I should marry. There's so many things we can put our false put false hopes in. And no, don't grieve the fact that these false hopes are being revealed because once the false hopes are revealed, it's actually a doorway to then coming to the true hope. That's what I'm seeing in this world. So again, tons of compassion. 
But I keep hearing reports across Canada and in many places in the world. There are older pastors in Canada who have told me they've never seen so many people come to Christ in Canada. It's because those false hopes, they're not, they're not secure anymore. So again, we can at the same time mourn over the pain of the shaking and the revealing, but we also can rejoice over what God is doing in it. It also reveals how full our love tanks are. I borrow that image of a love tank from, from another pastor. I have a terrible memory on who said it, so I can't even give him credit. So don't know who it is, but it's a beautiful picture because I use it all the time. When I go to share Jesus with people, I always ask ahead of time, is my love tank full? And this, this whole pandemic thing has, has revealed how much love we have. A new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And there's been many examples of people loving in this time. I think of a pastor I know in Panama, when they got their first restrictions and lockdowns, they weren't able to do some of the ministry out of their church building. You know what he did? Within a week, he had opened up his garage and they were, they were, they were handing out food out of their garage. That's love. That's totally love. Then I think of another couple I know in Calgary. They decided they had a bunch of savings and they're not like, they're not panicking. They're not saying, you know, spend it all now. The government's going to take it. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not, I have no predictions on that. I wouldn't be surprised by anything, actually. (laughs) We could go into great prosperity again or we could have it all taken. I don't know. But their attitude was, there's great need and opportunity now so they ended up taking most of their savings out and distributing into local and international ministries. I'm not saying that's a mandate for everyone, but, but it's an example of rather than being paralyzed by all the turmoil, they looked for ways to love. I think of another family we know that actually just went to the Middle East. People said, are you going to change your plans? Look what's all going on. Well, as long as we can get on a flight and get there, They're exploring long-term missions in the Middle East. I can't even tell you what country, because it's a closed country. They're going to get back this week, and they're going to head back with their family to minister. And he told me before he left, he said, we know we one day could have to lay down our lives. That's love. That's not outdated love. There's meant to be this fresh love pouring forth from us. And it takes risk. And it's hard. But there's something freeing about just saying, okay, I'm just going to give it. I'm just going to give it all. And I know there's been a lot of division and there's been a lot of fighting. I know there's been a lot of lack of love. It's sad. And I understand that sometimes people are just scared. And they feel like they're losing something. I don't have all the answers about what we should do, whether there should be political involvement, all that kind of stuff. Again, I, I don't know. But all I do know is this is clear. We are to love. And that's why we go back to sitting the Lord before us. It's only by encountering Him that we're going to have love tanks that are full. A Tuesday, I, I went to see this guy I've met before in a business. I, I've met him before. He's the owner of a small business in Winnipeg, uh, sells Donairs. I'm a big Donair fan. There's all kinds of donairs I've discovered, and uh, I love every donair. I mean, I just, I've learned that I just absolutely love donairs. So anyways, we've gone to this place before. I went to see the owner. 
My son was with me, and the owner was in there. I was a little disappointed because I wanted to talk to him. His son was there, but he was busy. And I'm like, well, I actually just went to the business primarily to meet him. I don't really want to spend money now. As much as I'd like a donair, but I already had supper. But I'll just stay here anyways, give him some business. And so I said to my son, well, share a donair. At least I don't spend as much money then. And he gave me that 19-year-old you know, kid look like, Shared. I could eat four by myself. Like, what are you talking about here? Didn't get the pur- purpose of our visit, I don't think. But I hadn't explained that to him. While we're waiting for our donair to be made, there's a woman there standing waiting for her food. So I said, oh, great donairs here, yeah? She's like, oh, I love them. I know she had an accent. Are you from somewhere else? She said, yeah, I'm from Malaysia. I said, I've never met anybody from Malaysia. I said, I used to keep pins on a map as I do outreach keep track of what countries I've met, but I don't know. It just, I I stopped doing that because I'd forget and all that. But I know I'd not met anybody from Malaysia. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Tell me a little bit about Malaysia. So she told me a bit and all that. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm in my pajamas. I I came out. I said, you were were probably busy at home. Like, you don't have to get dressed up to go out. I'm like, no big deal. And she's like still a little embarrassed by that. And said, tell me. I said, I'm a follower of Jesus I'm always curious, what do people believe, like in Malaysia? By the way, that's a great question to ask people. Do you meet somebody from their country? That's a, I call them jump statements. I'm doing a little, this is a 30-second training for you. One of the best ways to reach out is find jump statements. A lot of times we're waiting for an opportunity. Do you know what? Rarely do people come up to you and say, uh, you seem different. Why? So I ask that question often. I, you know, I follow Jesus. What do, what do people believe in that country? So she told me, well, there's a lot of Muslims and then there's some, you know, Christians and all that. I said, oh, okay. So I said, have you really ever looked into Jesus as a person? Well, not really. I said, I encourage you to read the book of John. I said, you can find it online, all that. Sometimes I'll try to follow up with people. I didn't dare. She was still embarrassed by her pajamas. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to pursue the conversation too much. Okay, my point in that, why did I have that conversation? I was tired. It was a long day. It's because I've learned after a long day to fill my love tank up. To make sure I have my love tank full so that when that opportunity arises, I'm ready to minister. We have to keep being filled up. So if this time is revealed that there's not much love there, then I encourage you to take a lot of time this week and get that tank full again. And if you're stuck... That, I mean, that's often why we have the church. Like, ask somebody, somebody in your circle, or ask Pastor Rob. Like, just say, I need to get unstuck because my love tank's not full right now. And Jesus is able to fill it. In fact, you might say, well, I feel so weak. I'm not confident like Chris. Well, I seem confident, but I'm often not. But you know what? I actually want harvest workers out there who don't have confidence. People respond often to weakness. They respond to weakness. And so your story is important. So that takes me to the last part here. What's happening in the world right now? There is a harvest happening. Difficult times do not and will not determine if there's a harvest. Let me say that again. Difficult times do not and will not determine if there's a harvest. The book of Acts teaches us that. They were under intense pressure. What did they do? They prayed. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That's a good kind of shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
you know, again, I really believe in training and evangelism, but I'll say this. It is striking to me that when Jesus wanted to start a movement in a very difficult culture, that he poured out the Holy Spirit. My best statements while I'm sharing my faith are usually statements I've never thought of before or come up with or read about. It's often in the moment because people are so unique. I find it actually an adventure. It's like, what are they going to say? What is God going to say through me? You might say, oh, I'm going to butcher it. You know what? It's pretty hard to butcher reaching out if you have love in your heart. You're not going to be a jerk then if you have love in your heart. That's good. And then when you say something a little bit wrong, I mean, there was one time I witnessed to somebody, they asked about the Trinity. I gave an answer. I went home, Lord, maybe forget what I said. It was so off. I was trying to explain. I said, maybe forget it. A month later, they got saved. In books of, book of Acts chapter 8, same thing. They're under pressure. They're being scattered. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So I'm going to tell you another story here. Because I don't want to give a false illusion here about the harvest. In one sense, the fruit's really ready. In another sense, it still takes perseverance, risk, sacrifice. But I'm going to tell you a really neat story. But just remember that this is after many, many, many conversations. So about two months ago, every Saturday I go out to share Jesus with people. So about two months ago, I went to the Forks. And the guy who lives with us, he came along with me. And I was meeting a guy there who I'd met before. We were walking around talking. And while we were walking around talking, I noticed somebody in the distance. The Forks was very busy that day. I noticed somebody in the distance. It was like a spotlight was over their head. I mean, there literally wasn't a light over there, but it just, I was drawn to them. And again, I've been out sharing my faith many times. That's happened like two times. Okay, so it's not all glamorous and, and all that. But this time, I noticed this guy, but I couldn't go talk to him because I was already talking to somebody else. So anyways, the other guy left, the, the guy who I was meeting with, and I had to wait for somebody else who was coming to join me to share Jesus. So I thought, I might as well get a piece of pizza. I'm hungry. So I went to sit down somewhere, but all the tables are full. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't really want to sit. My knee's aching. I'm getting old. My knee's aching. I'm like, I got my piece of pizza here and just like... And uh, so what am I going to do? And so all of a sudden I saw a couple leave a table and I'm like, there's a table. You know, I try to act like Jesus, but I was ready to push people aside because I really wanted to sit down. <laughs> but, but, you know, Jesus restrains me all the time when I have those moments. So I'm about to get to the table and then somebody else sits down. And it's that same guy I'd seen an hour and a half before that I had noticed out of all those hundreds of people that were milling around the forks that day. So I thought, wow. Maybe I need to talk to him. And again, if our love tanks are full, you're thinking about the fact that you want to love on him, not the fact that he just took your spot. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, what do I do here? I mean, he's not in the same household. And I thought, you know what? That's a pretty big table. I, I just So I went over. I said, you know what? My knee's bugging me. Do you mind if I sit down here? If you're totally against it, no problem. I said, I'll find another spot. He said, yeah, sit down. I'm like, okay. I said, if all of a sudden we get in trouble, I said, I'll take the blame. I said, I got a bad knee. Maybe they'll have mercy on me. I said, yeah. He says, I don't care. He says, I don't got any money anyway, so they can't find me. So I'm like, what a, what a life to live. Like, so already I love this guy. And 
So I said, what are you doing here? You're like, you from Winnipeg? He said, no, I'm, I'm from eight hours north near Thompson. I'm like, oh, really? I said, what are you doing here this weekend? I'm checking out Winnipeg. I'm thinking of moving here. I usually don't bring up a statement about church. Usually I ask about Jesus. But this time I said to him, oh, if you're interested when you move here to go to church, I know a church. You know, I was going to talk to him about Gateway. So all I did was I said, I know a church. And this is what he said. He said, it's interesting you mentioned that. I've been thinking about Jesus and I wonder how to follow him. Do you know the steps to follow Jesus? That's what he literally said. I hadn't mentioned Jesus. I mentioned church. He did the right thing. He changed it to Jesus. I said, his name's Justin. I said, Justin, I totally know how to follow Jesus. So we talked about repentance. We talked about faith. Right there in the forks, I love him, Jesus. We're still in touch. I was texting him this morning. He's going for it. After that, leading to Jesus. Now, again, point. I've been at the forks many times without leading somebody to Jesus. We do all kinds of things many times without much fruit. I mean, I was brushing my teeth this morning. I hate brushing my teeth. It's such a small task, isn't it? Is anybody else like me, actually? Where you're like, even though it's a small task, yeah, okay, I have a few hands, but it seems like so big, oh, I've got to brush my teeth now. Like, but I keep doing it. Because what they tell me when I go to the dentist is, well, this is good for you. You know? Like, I know it freshens your breath, but, but like, protecting me from something. We do all kinds of things like that. So why not make the effort to share Jesus? You don't have to go out and talk to strangers like me. I mean, I'd encourage you to give it a shot. Just start a conversation. Make a jump statement. You never know. But then I asked, just a curiosity. I'm almost done here. A curiosity. I said, Justin, why were you thinking about Jesus? I asked him that, that same conversation. Like, that's, that doesn't happen a lot. Like, he said, well, a month ago I was listening to music. He said, I always listen to rap music. And he said, uh, I was listening to normal rap music I listen to. And this, by the way, isn't a negative against rap music. I listen to Christian rap, okay? So I just don't want to be that misunderstood. But he was listening probably not to the stuff I listen to. He said, he's listening. And he said, out of nowhere, he had this sense. And this is what he said. I felt like I was being pulled into hell. And I cried, oh, oh God, help. He said, I didn't know what to do since then. I've been thinking about it, but I didn't know what to do. And now you just told me what to do. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? Just because we don't see something happening with our eyes does not mean things aren't happening right now. So we have to persevere in bringing up Jesus. Not just with unbelievers, but I would suggest with believers too. Now is not the time to be ashamed. Now is not the time to be ashamed. So my question here, I, think, I don't think I have this last verse on here, but my question here is, will we jump? Oh, yeah, there it is. Will we jump into the river of what God is doing? Will we jump into the river of what God is doing? And you know what? I find that I need to put my blinders on to what everybody else is saying for me to get discernment on that question, to discern what even he is doing. Yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware of what's going on. I'm not saying there's not steps to take other than sharing Jesus, but we've got to get rid of a little bit of the noise or maybe a lot of the noise to be able to discern. That's my number one prayer request for this year. Lord, give me discernment. What are the battles to fight? What are you doing? Who are you Im- impacting? We, we even had a conversation the other day. You know, people were talking about, I'm getting out of this country. My w- wife and I were talking about that. We were talking about getting out of this country, not because of what's happening. We say, if it gets so bad and we don't have a choice, what country are we going to go lay down our lives in? 
That's the kind of conversations we can have. And if you have children, you might say, oh, that's too intense for them. No, it's not too intense for them. Do you know in China, which has been under terrible communism for, for so many generations now, that a very small percentage of children actually walk away from Jesus, even though some of them are raised up in schools that are highly atheistic? It's because then the parents are pressured to introduce the true Jesus from a very young age and not to hide from the kids the difficult things of Scripture, what's coming. I think we should double down in our effort of talking to the kids about the entire Scriptures now to prepare them. Pastor Rob, you want to come up? I'm going to, I'm going to pray here. I'm going to pray for this church that God will release the ability to, to bring in a great harvest. And... Um, it's not always going to be easy. It's not. I tell you so many stories. A couple of weeks ago, I literally, somebody was telling me off. I could still hear them screaming at me two, two blocks away. They were so mad at me because I wasn't going to give them money. They said, oh, you don't love. You don't give me money. I don't like being screamed at, told off. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and make that my goal. But even I felt Jesus drawing alongside of me in that. Surprise joy when we suffer for him. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for this church. I believe you ordained Calvary to be on Main Street here. So Jesus, we just declare here that its place at this time is not accidental. You're not surprised by restrictions and lockdowns, Lord Jesus. So Lord, release what you want to do in this church, in this season, in this time, in this location And Jesus, I know, you know, that the idea of bringing the harvest can terrify many. But Jesus, you can get up under fear and dissipate it by your love. So Jesus, I pray for that in this church, Jesus. I pray that there would be open eyes and open hearts to see family members, neighbors, waitresses, doctors, nurses, the people that we encounter just by doing life, that they would see, have open eyes and hearts to see them and how lost they are and also how ripe many are right now, Lord Jesus. Help us persevere when, we, when it doesn't go well, actually following in your footsteps. You went all the way, Jesus. You went all the way. So Jesus, bless this church. Bless the leadership with your wisdom. Blessed for the coming days, and we thank you that you will strengthen us as we set you before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.